All right, welcome back to another edition of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson. This is really hard for me because normally I'm staring at a computer screen and I'm here with it with a room full of people. So tonight we're going to watch the um, Godmakers and we've assembled a all-star cast. First, let's start on uh, this side of the room. Uh, Hi, I'm Chris. Uh, I was a Mormon for 41 years and I've been an ex-Mormon for a year. A, a year? A year. That, that must, uh, Officially. Officially oh, an okay. ex-Mormon for a year. You were a Hellraiser before that. So. Uh, for at least 10 years. Oh, right. I really, really yelled and, yeah, screamed my way outside of the church. All right, welcome, Chris. Thanks. And this is Zilpha. Um, you've probably heard me before, but maybe not. Uh, John and I are married. We've been out for about eight, no, six years, something like that. And on to you. Hey, it's me, Tom. What's up? And I still go to church. <laughs> uh, this is Jim. Uh, and uh, as you know, I've been out of the church for about six years now. So This is Niall. Uh, I've been ex-LDS probably for about 18 months or so now. Just a baby. Just a baby, in it, but I'm a proud anti-Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nathan. I'm Niall's brother, and I've been out of the church for about two years, plus ten years, depending <laughs> on how you measure. Um, I am a proud atheist, and I'm actually excited to be here. I'm Brian. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to join you guys tonight. It's a real honor. Um, I was active for about 32 years and uh, um, found that there was some things I couldn't resolve and my integrity wouldn't let me stay. Couldn't say I believed and now I'm an atheist. It's been whoa, two or three years. All right, well welcome everybody. Now like I said tonight we're going to, we're just about to start our screening of The Godmakers. Um, about uh, two or three months ago uh, I interviewed Ed Decker. Um, that was a hoot. I would invite everybody to go down and check um, out the interview with Ed. Um, Zilf and I had the opportunity of watching The Godmakers before we interviewed Ed, um, just to make sure we were up on on, uh, on what it was all about, and we were both very surprised. Now, um, I've gone around the room, and no one here other than the uh, band cartoon has actually seen The Godmakers. Uh, we've all heard the rumors, we all got warned off it in Young Men's and Young Women's, but now we're going to watch it. So I'm going I'm to stop the tape, we're going to watch it, we're going to come back to you immediately. Any, any last words before before we jump in? You ready for your testimonies to be shaken? We can jump on that after. All right, let's get it started. All right, so we just finished uh, 56 minutes of uh, pure entertainment value with the Godmakers, and uh, and now we're, we're ready to go. So... Um, you know, I said I saw it before. What was it as bad as y'all y'all thought it'd be? Uh, this is Brian here. Um, the expression that came to mind is delightfully dated. Um, a, a lot of the material, I mean, the outfits and the styles. I mean, it's very early '80s. Um, I was uh, surprised at the amount of of uh, information that was pretty straightforward that felt good, and I was surprised in, in the direction that he went with some of the information that's just sort of uh, 
uh, it's, it's an appeal to uh, ridicule a lot of it where he just was was putting things in the most uh, extreme ways and uh, when you put put that out there um, as a member you're just gonna find it so distasteful because you don't agree with with what he's saying when he's saying like oh there's it's based in the occult well it, if you don't agree that it's based in the occult you're gonna write the guy off like right away and you're gonna dismiss everything else he has to say which is which is a shame because some of the information was uh, spot on This is Nathan. Um, now, the thing that the biggest thing that popped out to me of this, I, I I'd seen this, uh, or at least I thought I saw it. I saw a part of it uh, years and years and years ago. And of course, when I was a uh, more of a member, and I completely discounted it. However, after seeing this, and after being involved in some of the um, post Mormon outreach Christian stuff, what I realize is, wow, they don't update their material. This stuff is 30 years old, and they're still trotting out the same horse here. Um, it's it's really, and I can get, I've got more on that. I just want to try to just say, wow, they just, it's. You're updating all the time. Right, exactly. It's like, well, you know, it's, I mean, we all have our pet, we all have our pet sacred cows. This one is not mine, but it, it, I see it in other areas where it's like, look, stop bringing out things that have been tackled. You need to, I mean, have you guys talked with a Mormon in the last two decades? I mean, really? I mean, I know it's a 30-year-old film, but they're still saying the same stuff. That was my immediate impression, actually, was that it was the same issues, and coincidentally enough, there's not been a whole lot that has changed. I mean, we're, the apologists are still covering the same material, the Book of Abraham. We're still talking about occultic um, issues with Joseph Smith. So it was kind of amazing to me that it was all the same thing. Thir nearly 30 years have gone by. We're still talking about the same things. Um, <clears throat> this is Niall. Uh, the, the thing about this movie... And I hope I don't get too many things thrown at me here. Is it's no more or less honest than the typical Mormon film. The Mormon films blatantly lie in the few areas as well. You know, there th this film was mo this film was mostly accurate. It was just presented in a pretty negative kind of infantile sort of way. But if you look at it, you just take that and you you charge it the other way. And you've got like every Mormon seminary film you've ever seen in your life. So, you know, before you before you throw stones at Ed Decker, I mean the guy's like maybe he's got more Mormon in him than he than he realizes. <laughs> but if he hasn't updated in thirty years, I mean, has has the Mormon church changed? I mean, fundamentally, are they more honest? Are they more relevant? Well, but they're both they're both e the the Mormon church and the e the EVs are you know, equally honest and dishonest? Why Why change the dance when they've been waltzing it quite well for, you know, 150 years? Well, I, I think that raises the question, you know, who is the audience for this film? Is this something that Ed Decker set out to pitch to Mormons uh, or to evangelicals who get behind that bandwagon? You know, I, one word kept, coming over and over in my mind which is passion play you know this is the updated version and instead of attacking jews 
they're attacking Mormons, you know, in the in, in this kind of you know 1980s uh, slick fashion. So uh, that was you know the big thing for me is who is Ed Decker talking to, and and who does this appeal to the most? Well, it seems clear that he is targeting the investigator. He's trying to go out and say, look, you're, in, you're, you're looking into this thing. Let me show you what they really believe before you invest yourself. It really wouldn't work for the diehards. I mean, I've seen films. This is not the... There have been numerous other films created in the last few years that really isn't any different. In fact, Floyd McKelvey, one of the people on that show, popped up and I said, wow, he's still around and he's still making films like this. But it is. It's for it's either preaching to the choir for the evangelical fundamentalist crowd or for those looking for Mormonism. I mean, but, but the people in the audience who would be, you know, theoretically at a at a evangelical church, I, I think they'd already have some firm commitments and, you know, being saved and and, and whatnot. It, yeah, there is that that segment of individual out there that you know can uh go ahead and say yeah well mormonism could appeal to me but i i think they've reached the the kind of the breaking point of 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 being susceptible to you know to the message of joseph smith well i i was going to um kind of say the opposite of that that there is a lot of appeal and the the way the church presents itself and um, they mentioned in the film and this church and the church still presents itself as very fr family oriented and if you know mormons you know they're they're good people and they they seem to have it all together and they've got a close family and their kids are excelling in school or whatever and you might get interested in maybe what what they have to offer over there you know when we when we sat down and watched it i expected it to be just like way over the top because um, that's the way it's always portrayed. You know, missionaries go around saying, oh, you know, they showed it in the church before we got there. And the, and baptisms increased 200% because it was so over the top and it sent people people running. I don't see it as that, that way. I mean, and we'll go through some of the, the, the – there's some, some silly mistakes they make. There's some obvious exaggeration they do. But I think, like it's been said, it's sort of on par with all the other stuff that's out there. It's on par with the stuff you see on the boards. And, and it's – Except for the car, the cartoon, and there's some other things when they talk about the space Jesus. How is the, how is the cartoon fundamentally different than the 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 god awful legacy productions in the Joseph Smith building? At least the legacy production wasn't going after another religion, really. It was just sugarcoating, yeah, whitewashing history from the Mormon well, I mean, perspective. Well, I mean, legacy is all like schmaltz and bathos, right? Um, so it's it's not necessarily about that it's, it's just wrong. It's just it's just about, you know, emotion, right? It, it's like it's like Mormon porn, you know, and uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the cartoon, you know, has all these things like starship collab and stuff, you know, that's no one would agree to that. It's, it's an obvious misrepresentation of the belief. Well, I think that the the cartoon has a lot of speculation in there. I mean, they put a lot of emphasis on the man become God and the celestial sex. I mean, that seems like a lot of speculation that... Hey, I was looking forward to that. I'm not, I'm not trying to rain on your parade. You can still have it, I guess. The only thing I found in the, the cartoon was a problem was that the idea that Jesus was definitely a polygamist. I couldn't find anything else in the cartoon that was factually untrue well 
Well, I, I think I think one of the things that Decker does and a lot of evangelicals do this is they take beliefs from like the 19th century, you know, things that Heber Kimball and Jedediah Grant preached over the pulpit, and they present them as if they're if they're still they're still done. I mean, I remember when I picked up a copy of The Godmakers when I was a teenager, I thought this is not my religion. It took me a long time of studying before I realized that it was, but it was just an old old version of it. So when they present the cartoon that Mormons, you know, still believe that you know like God went back and went on Mary. I mean, there's still Mormons who believe that, but it's not it's not a real common one. Yeah, I, I think the problem that they run into is is Ed Decker and, and you know those who produce the Godmakers are kind of like Wiley e. Coyote, and the church is is more like the Roadrunner. You know, they're just always this close to getting them. You know, but they just <laughs> zoom right past. You know, the church just zooms right past Wiley, and he's left holding a knife and fork still. You know. Well, if if we want to talk about the inaccuracies, we want to go down a list of yeah, inaccuracies. Let's go to the inaccuracies. All right, let's. First off, I wrote down that uh, there was an elite few that got to enter the temple. Well, that seems like kind of a jump to just temple recommend holders, I would think. But I think they were including the um, people outside of, and at, at that time there were fewer temples than there are now, and so a lot of the membership, even if they were temple worthy, they didn't have access to temples. They couldn't get there. Yeah, all right, fine. <laughs> all right, I, I got one. Uh, this is Brian again. Uh, there's, there's one point where he says that uh, uh, Mormons believe that, G that Joseph Smith has done more for the salvation of any other man, including Jesus Christ. That's not what Mormons believe at all. They, the, the quote is, save Jesus Christ, save only Jesus Christ. I think there is a quote by someone else that said that Jesus or I think that Joseph Smith actually mentions that he... Yes. The, the point is, is they won't say it. Thank yeah, I you. think Joseph Smith says that he did more for mankind, including Jesus, at one point. I can't what, remember. Whether it's, whether it's including or save, there was definitely no question that Joseph Smith had a very uh, overly healthy image of himself. But, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but as the biggest inaccuracy... Was I've never heard this before about demons appearing to Mormons during baptisms for the dead. The that, demon didn't appear to you? I, no. I thought, I thought that happened to everybody. Wouldn't they just be talking about um, a spirit, like from from the grave kind of thing? You know, I've heard. Okay. I didn't hear the demon part. Well, they, 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 they. He wasn't talking about demons. He was talking about uh, the LDS trying to reach out to the dead. And I know that it, for many years when I was going through the temple, they would encourage people to try to sit in the celestial room and, and think about, you know, like uh, their great-grandmother or whoever is a way of trying to reach out to the dead. I think that was a stretch, but well, I think I've that's heard, what you're referring I've to. Well, I've heard the Mormon urban legends about the dead appearing to the workers and saying, yes, I'm ready for this work. However, come on. I mean, this is stretching even for that urban legend. Yeah, if he said demon, then that... That would be a, a weird way of saying it. But I was just going to say, my, my brother, <laughs> a bad grandmother, um, my brother one time was in the celestial room and he had just performed some people's work and, and he said there was no breeze and the air conditioner wasn't on or anything and a few of the um, chandelier uh, crystals started wiggling and he was sure it was a thank you from, the, from beyond the grave. Uh, it... No. <laughs> Why? What happened there? Oh, a seismic event. So that was that was a recurring theme. I thought they they go into the 
the the cultural uh, urban legends a lot and if if i remember i'd say well that's not strictly doctrine it's not in the scriptures it's not relevant to our salvation i think if i was a member watching it i thought that would be a big takeaway be like well you're just taking all these urban legends and throwing them out there as if they're some official doctrine and they're really not Mormons were definitely not the target audience for this, believing Mormons. Neither were atheists or agnostics because they tried to appeal to scripture and they tried to appeal to all of these other things, which would be completely ineffective. That, the real Jesus, not the well, Mormon they, Jesus. That was the quote the real I wrote Christ. down. Is that, uh, they said that Mormonism is so far removed from Orthodox Christianity as if some objective standard of Christianity exists. Yeah, they lost me every time they started trying to redefine Christ or Jesus. They just completely lost me. But that's how they feel when they step into a Mormon church and they see that the Jesus that they know is being redefined um, by the Mormons. That, that the Mormons see Jesus differently than other Christian denominations do. I'm on the Christian yeah. sides on this one. You are? Yeah. I, I, def I definitely feel that Jesus Christ, especially mainstream Jesus Christ, is completely misrepresented and twisted by the Mormon church. So do you, so you think Mormons are Christian then, now? No, I don't. Not at all? Before or after? There is Christians if you put a robe on a Mr. Potato Head and nailed it to the wall. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, but I, I've, I've seen both sides of that, too. I mean, I've heard the, the Mormons say that they're Christians because they believe in Christ, but I've also heard the Christians. The thing is, is with the evangelical Christians, the thing I have a problem with is, is that they've co-opted this term. I mean, this is a subject for a different discussion for a different day. But to say that Mormons aren't Christians, they also say Catholics aren't Christians and mainstream Protestants aren't Christians and anybody who doesn't believe in their flavor of grace is and not Christians. Exactly. Well, okay, so going back down to this list, the Mormons are Christians or not, uh, the, I couldn't believe how em emphasized they were with the man becomes God in doctrine. That seemed to be a running theme all through it. And I, well, it's called the God makers. Well, fuck. <laughs> but it seems like a kind of doctrine that at least in the last 10, 20 years that the church is definitely distanced from. So, the celestial sex. Uh, one of the things in the cartoon that says that, that uh, the neutral people that were in the spirit world or in the preexistence became black. That's uh, I think that's a Bruce R. McConkie speculation. All over the place. It's yeah. But I was going to say about the, um, what was your second thing on your list? Oh, man becoming God. Well, a Decker might take responsibility for the fact that the church has kind of backed away from that doctrine. <laughs> and this is really ironic to me because back in the day, the idea that man could become a God was the appeal of Mormonism. I mean, for the, for the first 50, 70 years of the church, that is what they lived for. They wrote books about it. They talked about it. This was something that empowered the average Mormon to do better because he was going to become his own God. I remember when I was a youth, I was excited to create my own world. It was very exciting. I wasn't excited to have a whole bunch of children. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I left the church. But I was really excited with the idea that, that I could have my own world. So uh, if, if they are changing from that, then that is something that's significant, in my opinion. Oh, I don't know if we teach that, actually. <laughs> well, one of, the, one of the others that, that really took me off guard was, uh, I think that he was quoting, it was in the cartoon, and he was quoting that Jesus was a polygamist, was married to Mary, Martha. We already did? But, yeah, but we didn't talk about it online. I mentioned it. All right, good job, Niall. That was the only thing I found disturbing other than apparently when you become a demon, your hair gets messed up. 
<laughs> your, hair, your hair turns into horns. How about all the female wives? There were all these beautiful blondes hey, running around. That's pretty ma- impressive. And they definitely weren't wearing garments. Well, you notice they were all clones too. <laughs> but the, but those teachings show up. The the, the um, I was watching something on the FLDS and they were talking about the blonde thing. That for them, the more you know, fair skin, the more blonde or redheadish. So these are these are folk doctrines that have been around. I like, you know, we saw some exaggeration there, but I didn't see anything that Ed Decker just pulled out of his hat. You know, everything has been kicking around. I mean, if anybody saw, I mean, I've heard the the th- the three brides of Christ, and I've heard all that stuff. Oh yeah, in fact, I hear quite a bit about the whole the satanic symbols all over the temple and throughout the temple square. And I remember going through there, and I'm going, well, I know there's Masonic temp- symbols, but what specifically is satanic? It's not being pulled out, but, I mean, it is heavily exaggerated, as you mentioned. So let, let's talk a little bit about the Satanism. Um, Ed Decker really has three things that he he um, preaches against as an evangelical. Mormons, uh, and, and to him they're all the same thing. <laughs> Mormons, Masons, and Satanists. So so I I think, and, 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 and they go into this, but... Decker's done a lot of other things in his ministries to equate Mormonism with Satanism. And and as Chris said when we were watching the movie, that's that's where they jumped the shark. You know, that's where they, it was just it was just way over the top. Well, uh, t- so, so, so tell, tell us what they did with the Mormo. Oh, he just had this book of um, satanic terms, or was it a satanic Bible? Um, and it has the... Um, the names associated with Satanism, and one of them is Mormo. And people, king of the what? The ghouls. King of the ghouls, and those who follow Mormo are Mormons, according to Ed Decker. Yeah, I mean, speaking of, you know, masonry and and Mormonism, I mean, Ed Decker, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ed Decker, I, I think, and it's it kind of just shows his hand a little bit, but that, when when they were talking about the marks on the garments, he referred to them as occult symbols. He didn't refer to them as you know the square and the compass, uh, which you know which are patent, you know borrowed straight from Freemasonry. So, I I, I think it, it kind of shows his mo in in you know to a to a limited extent of what he runs to when he's explaining certain imagery. Yeah, yeah, he made that jump because. Because to him, masonry is Satanism, so ergo, you have a, a compass on your garment. Yeah. Uh, you have a, a satanic. And he, he went through this big thing saying it was a talisman. You know, I, well, I think he's talking, and, 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 you know, and they use the word magic at least uh, nine times in the, in the film. Yeah, most of the, the language that they're using about occultism or magic, I mean, they're all interchangeable and they mean the same thing you know, to them, from an evangelical perspective, you know, there's, you know, the great evil, and then there's them. So it's a, us versus them being, you know, put into film. If miracles happen to them, it's not magical. But if miracles happen to other people, then it's magical. Sounds like an atheist talking right there. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I take offense, uh, or I actually don't take offense, but, you know, when people... People, I take issue with the fact that people describe the garment as magical. Um, I don't think Mormons really consider it magical. 
I think it's very similar to the way a lot of Christians consider their cross. You know, there's a lot of people sacred. You mean? Well, sacred, and they 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 you know you can watch any horror movie and see that it's a it's a protection and it's a talisman and and I think Mormons consider their garments very similar. And so I think it's a distortion that if since Ed spent 20 years in the church, he should know better than than, than doing that. I also want to mention it was right before that part I think with the magic underwear where he talks about. I think that's a pretty good segment about the church in court encouraging divorce. I think that's a bit exaggerated. I think that if if some bishops might do that, but I don't think I'd blame the church entirely for that, and especially not nowadays. I think that at least in the last 10, 15 years that the church has come out and said, you can't say that sort of thing, and we'll get us in legal troubles. And how, in the last how many years? What did I say, 10, 15? 10, 15 years. How, well, maybe, well, maybe it was 30. I don't know. A Decker might take... Um, the responsibility for that change too. Yeah, but don't you think that the church wasn't exactly issuing policy? I think that the doctrine of the church led people to do to the, um, bishops to give that advice based on love for the person because they knew that then they couldn't get exaltation based on the doctrines of the church. But if a, if a local leader saying something like that, like I think you should divorce your spouse, I don't think the. Don't you think that the. The finger shouldn't be pointed necessarily at the church, but at the leader? No, I think it should be pointed at both. Both? Yeah. Hmm. I do. I kind of. I think. Well, I, I think if you have a lay leadership, you can't separate the two. Because, you know, for me, my bishop, my stake president, they are the church. But I the, don't have any but other. the church will definitely say you, they need to separate the two. Um, true. But, I, I mean, I personally know people who are divorced who say firsthand that the bishop advised their spouse to divorce them. So, so I mean, it happens. Hopefully it's rare and it's getting rare. Uh, you're right, the church has taken um, steps to make sure this happens, but to me that's a sign that it did happen. Otherwise they wouldn't have to deal with it. Another, another thing you might want to convince, uh, consider is why are there uh, New Order Mormons if, if they were free to leave the church? Okay. Well, <laughs> well, it's not. I, I, listen. Well, no. Okay. I'm not saying that the church is necessarily directly to be criticized for that. So these people are so mentally unstable, they have to invent this myth to torture themselves with. Where do you think they're getting this idea from? I think he just did, huh? <laughs> No, I mean, if if where did you get the idea from, or where did the noms get the idea from that they could lose everything that they have, if not from the church? Well, you're generalizing there. Not all of them feel that way. And some, okay. listen, all I'm saying is, it's just like what we've always said. Every ward is different. Every bishop is different. Every state president is different. If you're in a good ward, then you're you can be a nom and probably be pretty happy. I, and I, it, go ahead, Brian. Well, yeah. So I think you do have a point. I think it is it is overemphasized as if that's the default advice of bishops, and I don't think it is. But it, I know it does happen. That advice does come from bishops, and the bishops are a product of the church's council. I mean, they're not they're not coming up with that from their own ideas or their own marriage. I mean, they're getting that they're taking those cues from the church, and some take it more severely than others would well i guess but you're getting into a weird speculation area i mean some are taking it taking certain cues from the church but some aren't i mean well, yeah because because I mean, they're, they're free I mean, to if make you're, these distinctions because if because you, you can even trace it back to okay let's say this stake president is instructing his bishops in his stake to encourage divorce 
Well, okay, then it goes up to the state president, but maybe the station leader or district leader doesn't say that. Well, I mean, well, the, well, the all fact I'm saying is that there are families that have this experience where sure. they have been told. Sure. I and there are families that. who don't get that from their bishops. I mean, there's a mix. Well, and to, to me, this is one of those other big things in the film. It's a pot and kettle thing. Cause, you know, and they even one time say, Utah leads the country in venereal disease and depression and divorce. My understanding is that evangelicals have the same problem with the same, the same issues. Yeah. The divorce is high among evangelicals, the, the venereal disease, teenage pregnancy. So you might be hitting on an issue that just conservative religious people have. And, you know, so they go through and... Yeah, live in Mississippi for a few years. You know, you'll see, <laughs> you'll see that all that and more. So, so, so just my, my my point is that they they to them Mormonism is bad. So they look at these things and say, oh, all right, the Mormons have divorce. Oh, okay, but the same thing would split up an evangelical marriage. This is true, and they kept on harping about how the church talks about being a, a family religion, but that all they do is split religions apart. And I kept on thinking, well, that's just everybody. I mean, you know. The, Families are split apart regardless of what religion they are, and families continue. The trending is that families are becoming more split apart, and it really has nothing to do with religion. Well, It doesn't excuse I, the church, and I don't think that the church, I don't think church ecclesiastical leaders are actively at this point going out and telling people to divorce. Again, however, there is where the rubber meets the road, where the theology is, that you're to be a family forever. And if you have someone who falls outside of that and who falls outside of the ceiling and who falls outside of the, the activity rate and the tithing and all of those things, uh, you have the cultural pressure already in place. And, and I think that's what a lot of people who have this fear that they're going to lose their family and lose all of these things, that's what they're reacting to is that cultural feel that I'm, I'm different, I'm, I'm going to be ostracized from my tribe because I am different. I guess what I would say as far as this church leader separate from the church itself, I wouldn't say that, like John said, you can't point at one or the other. You kind of have to indirectly point at both. And I say that the percentage kind of wavers. And I think that the church leaders in a lot of those divorce cases probably have more like 70, 80 percent. Well, sure, it's speculation. But I think that even in some cases, a bishop will do something terrible make a decision that'll ruin an entire family that the church would say oh we would have never told him to say that well guess what that's his prerogative because he is supposed to be over his flock and he's supposed to be able to get revelation that will help and guide and direct his flock <laughs> so he's been given certain licensing to do that yeah i mean the the church put him in that situation to be a judge in israel <laughs> and you know he takes it he takes that calling very seriously, and if he sees somebody's spiritual and eternal progression, you know, come into play, he's going to act with what he's been coached to do. The only, oh, come on. the only time I can figure out where a bishop would advise to divorce is if that bishop has made a judgment that the unbelieving spouse or whatever is either a threat or a harm or, or something of that sort to the spiritual salvation of the person he's talking to. But just by leaving the church, um, a lot of people would, would consider them a threat. They are threats. Yeah. They're so. And a th yeah, and a threat to the neighborhood and the That's and the city and the and the state and everything. One thing that I, while I kind of tangent away from this a little bit, I want to make sure that I mention that I was actually very impressed with Sandra, Sandra Tanner. 
I thought her yeah, delivery yeah. and the things that she said was actually pretty spot on and pretty accurate. I was I was waiting for her to kind of make some leaps, and I'm like, oh yeah, right, that's an anti-Mormon right there. But she kind of laid it out, and I I couldn't disagree with a lot she said. While we're talking about stuff like that, when they first open the scene and it's the attorneys and they're discussing a case. I was very excited because I thought, oh, this is going to be like the case of for Christ, you know, like Lisa Bell, and it's going to be all laid out in this, you know, great litigation uh, scenario. And it was just horribly disappointing from that aspect. And it, very sensationalistic in their language. That was another thing that was very off-putting to me. But you know what my favorite part of the film is? So, so for those who haven't seen it, um, Ed Decker and Dick Bear go the, the the premise of the story and it's intercut with just plain old documentary things and then ed's comments about the film and it, i mean the editing is really amateurish but the 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 main thrust of the of the of the film is that dick bear and ed decker playing themselves go meet with these two attorneys it, ostensibly to try to what sue the church to shut them down or yeah for fraud or it's never quite clear what they're going after and the the attorneys keep saying throughout the the Throughout the everything that Ed and, and Dick are saying, they keep saying oh, that's 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 just too weird to believe, you know. So so Ed is saying things over the top, and the attorneys are kind of like the voice of reason. I don't think Ed intended that irony because they keep saying, "No, you're you're just making that up. That, that that's just too wild to believe." So, I, uh, so, yeah, yeah, it was a very ineffective and ineffective method. Yeah, one of the th one of the things in that the, the dialogue, kind of. Uh, I kind of had an issue with was uh, there was I think it was the, uh, the Mr. Bear character where he mentions that how how you know Mormons have the freedom of religion to believe what they want so how can they believe in this and that I really had an issue with that because this is what this is I think the fundamental one of the fundamental issues we have today it, do we do they think that we have freedom of religion yeah, I, I took a big in. I cause I wrote this down because I was so taken aback. It's just why should they have the freedom to? And and then, <laughs> which you know, I I don't know. It, it's it's them showing their their hand at, at being so angry at at people having different beliefs than than them, which I think is the most saddest part uh, about the Godmakers. Although you really can't fault. I mean. It's not just the evangelicals. I'm reminded of a recent talk by Boyd K. Packer where he basically said the same thing about other Christians. So, Yeah, I, mean, I mentioned this earlier, but the, the appeal to ridicule, it just it strikes me as so ironic that it's really easy to appeal to the ridicule of every other religion out there. But my own makes perfect sense. Like in the first person, it's always perfectly sensible. But those other beliefs are so silly. And I, it's, just, it's hard for me to take that from you know, an Orthodox Christian, like, like your beliefs couldn't be cast in a similarly uh, dismissive light. What well, to, to... I was going to say, at the end of it, when they did this appeal to, oh, I felt dead in the church, and all of a sudden I'm alive in Christ, and they start with this evangelical spill. Then they pull in Kip and his story, you know, as if they're going to pull, as if I'm supposed to feel the burning in the bosom because of it. it the irony, I just, it was just too much for me. Well, that's where I wanted to go next with the Kip story. Now, does it? Did anybody catch his last name? Uh, Ellison or something like that. So they 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 bring it up early, and then then they end with it, like like Chris just said. Now, from what I took from the story, reading between the lines, was Kip a homosexual? Yes. 
Well, at least that's the implication. Well, but they they specifically didn't say, and this, this goes to this goes to what Brian was saying. The evangelicals are not like the friend of, of the homosexual community. I so, wanted to make sure that that was pointed out, as that this it <laughs> brings very close to home for me. So, so they sort of lift that out. Um, they say it was something sexual, but they. Something like his sexual impulses were um, out of yeah in conflict with the church teachings. Oh, we we've got something going on here. <laughs> okay, so so we we just we just looked it up on the, on the internet. Um, so so Kip was the uh, masturbation case. So um, but but once again, oh. the evangelicals aren't really down with the jerk and the yerkin sort of thing there either. So. Well, but, yeah, it is 28 years ago. I guess I guess jumping the gun on thinking that he might have had. I guess it was just too good to be true. I have heard uh, rumors that doing that could lead to that. Jeez, <laughs> 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 man. Um, but 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 anyway, my you know my 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 point being, you know, that's one of those things that that very well could have happened in a Baptist community, yeah. and that they would jump all over the Mormons for that. And that, that's what we talked about divorce. They talked about women's issues. Evangelicals are not big leaders on the women's movement. They talked about, you know, the things with the youth. So there's a lot of things that you could just spin that whole thing around. And that doesn't really speak to, that might speak to the culture is not so healthy, but it doesn't speak to the truth value of Mormonism. Yeah, I didn't like that they ended with that whole story too. It seemed like they sensationalized that for their own purposes. But the one thing that I will say that I think it was probably the most trouble troubling thing overall of the movie and i think that i remember hearing about it is that the recreation of the temple endowment with the penalties right. and and then they all actually because it's very sacred to mormons i mean that don't you think that if a mormon was watching they'd be like yeah, that's the part the that bugs me no but i'm not saying they're not the target audience but if a believing member was watching that like oh that's the part that's going to offend them the most so, i think so to, so to be clear with the movie they they show a portion of the temple ceremony in which they have somebody dressed like a veil worker, which is just wearing a white suit, uh, like a suit jacket. And then they have people in their temple clothes going through some of the penalties that have been removed in the temple in 1990. It's, it's, it's the prayer circle portion. Since and the movie came out, the church, the church decided that those penalty movements might, might not be very appropriate anymore. Well, we can't say for sure. Ed, Ed why Decker the, would like to claim responsibility for that one. It, it, could, it could be. I mean, because that's the... And, 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 you know, we, anybody, the, the temple can be a jarring experience. It's, it's not can like, or is. It, some people, some people describe it as very beautiful their you're first right, time through, right. but it's very different than the beige experience that happens in Mormon chapels. But it also looks like they, they also recreated some of the initiatory work and yes. they have kind of the, the shield thingy and they also, they don't exactly show a lot of the, uh. The things that they do, like the touching and whatever, but and they didn't show they didn't they didn't show the handshakes and they didn't tell they didn't tell the actual covenants that that Mormons aren't allowed to tell. Well, they, well, they if except for the penalties and stuff like they that, showed the penalties. It, and that was while it was still in the temple, right? That the is movie. correct. It was in the temple at the time, and <laughs> and f as as a person who went through before they changed that out, that was one of the most jarring things that occurred uh, during that ceremony. It's the only time ever in my experience with Mormonism that I would consider it cultic was during that time where I was seeing these violent gestures, you know, these these speaking of death and and that sort of thing happening just right there in the in the most sacred place of the church. It was very traumatic for me. 
Well, and that's to Niall's point from before, you know, Ed Decker talks about that the church portrays Protestant preachers as a hireling of Satan and that he's under and that that's straight out of the pre-1990 temple. And people who haven't been through that would say, you are telling damned lies. Yeah, I you haven't know, seen that. So. Be, because because that's just so over the top that no one would believe it. But it was there. Did you, Jim, also say that the penalties and stuff like that is directly from masonry? Yeah, I mean, speaking as somebody who's been through the Blue Lodge, uh, the, the, these are, are very, very uh, ripped straight off from Freemasonry. And, and you know, it, that's just as an aside, but because, you know, quite frankly, it, it doesn't matter to me where they come from. It's, it's you know, it's anthropologically speaking, it makes sense. All right, let's... Do, do you want well, to say something? I, the only thing that I was going to say is that they really... Even though they showed the gestures, the the specific things that you um, vow not to reveal are not the gestures. So they really didn't show in this movie anything that you're specifically um, not supposed to reveal. They did show the temple clothing. But that you never say that you're not going to show that. So so really, they I think they were a little careful. It no, like that's implied that no, but they they revealed they showed the um, sacred word. Oh, the one that so, doesn't that they don't use in the temple yeah, anymore. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not I'm not going to say it but here. I but I don't think that's. I don't yes, think that, that you're not supposed to reveal that. That's, they that's, said that's, that's don't reveal bounds. this. Yes. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to ask, who would care about that distinction? Like, if you're if you're a member, they should care. hugely offensive. I mean that's yeah. that's very upsetting. They don't care. Even if it's not specifically, well, I didn't promise not to say this part. That's true. Talking about the temple at all is extremely upsetting to a Mormon. That's and true. If you're not a Mormon, you don't care about the technicality either. So that's true. Yeah. Maybe it was just a latent I think the movie would have been much more effective, and I I can't remember if Ed said in the, my interview with him, but you know one of the purposes of this we we talked this, but this this gets shown at churches all over the world. I think he said at some point it's been shown seventy thousand times or something like that. So so I, I think that if they wanted to accomplish their mission, they should have left the that portrayal of the temple stuff out because I think it sets Mormons such on edge that they're going to say, you know, it's not going to be an effective communication thing. I'm getting Tom's laughing at me. No, I'm just <laughs> Zilf is pulling the mic out and then not. It's like she's going through a momentary doubt without actually interrupting. No, well, I, I don't know if this is, but you said seventy thousand. That doesn't seem like very many. You had seventy thousand downloads last month on Mormon Expression. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, we're talking to whole congregations. Yeah, and I download it five thousand times myself. So <laughs> <laughs> inflating the stats. <laughs> Uh, the the one thing that because it's it is the God makers. One thing I want to return to, you know, um, just to 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 because I think it's funny, Starbase co-op. So so I mean they use the term at one point they said I even wrote it down um, extraterrestrial hominoids. Yeah, they did. You know, so oh so uh, yeah 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 yeah. Brian wrote it down too. So oh so the question is, all right, Mormons believe this. Why are Mormons so embarrassed about it, and why is it so funny? No, the 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 whole pulling the you know the alien religion out you know is is kind of a you know a Scientology esque kind of thing you know this is this is the 1980s this is 
you know, right, uh, this is 10 years before, or 20 years before, uh, you know, the, the, the Heaven's Gate, you know, cult, you know, and there was, you know, during the 60s, there was this whole run up, you know, to, you know, UFO cults, and, and I think they're, they're trying to build bridges, you know, Decker's trying to build bridges to, to other hokey, you know, forms of belief. You know, if you can tie, you know, because you see, kind of see what Decker's doing. Then why not tie the tie the link to the number one biggest cult news event of the time, the Jonestown cult? I mean, that the, that 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 would have been a better because Joan because uh, the People's Temple largely was an evangelical cult. So did Mormonism. Yeah, uh, I, was Jonestown before or after that? But jo Jonestown, they grew out of Pentecostalism. So, um, and you know, always the threat that I think, and I don't want to speak for evangelicals, but Mormonism is like a cult that's stuck in their minds. You know, the, there's cults that come and go all the time. But you know, as as, as they talk about, it, they talk about the Mormon property holdings and how nice Mormons are. And it's this, it's this Mormons are worse than you know. They seem like normal, nice people, but they're not. I mean, that's always the the evangelical. Um, baloney <laughs> I remember uh, reading this was about the cartoon uh, where they said that the, the Mormon Jesus came to the Americas amongst the, uh, the American Indians or Native Indians and I remember reading in some apologetic material that that was a blatant lie that it wasn't the Indians per se <laughs> like they were trying to separate the Indians from the Nephites yeah. Because it was the Lamanites that the Lamanites are the ones that actually became the Indians. But Zilpha. Yeah, but the Lamanites too. Like Samuel, the Lamanites. Yeah, but they're, they're trying to separate Lamanites from right. Indians. Apologists now, so. <laughs> yeah, and I think that also in the movie they tried to make Joseph Smith look pretty bad. Oh, I thought he looked great. <laughs> That's not hard. <laughs> you mean you mean the way they drew him? No, no, no. <laughs> I thought he looked quite handsome. <laughs> I was surprised at how little they covered Joseph's polygamy. I mean, they had lots of material potentially there, and they they overlooked a lot of it. Well, you know, the, the, they I, I I wrote that down because right in the beginning, I, I think they made they made a editorial decision to distance themselves from polygamy because they 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 had in the beginning where where. They, the I think it was a former Mormon was saying, you know, everybody thinks of. Utah, you know, with the multiple wives, but that's not what Mormonism is. So they, they distanced that right away. Yeah, I was going to point out, they clarified the point that the practice of polygamy is not part of the, the current Mormon church. They just said that that's not how it is now, and they didn't go bother going into the history of it. Actually, he made a point that if if they really believed that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young were true prophets well, still, which they obviously don't because they don't practice polygamy anymore, then they would practice yeah, that's polygamy. True. So he did. He was kind of making fun of the Mormons, saying you you don't you don't even believe in your original prophets. But this is straight out of the evangelical playbook of the of, of Mormon doctrine changing just so frequently and so fast that I mean it's the static the the static nature of their worldview that everything has to be exactly the same as it was put forth 3,000 years ago and nothing ever can change and if it is it's, it's the sign of the devil yeah because I know in it isn't it in the book of Acts where it talks about having a personal relationship with Jesus or is that in Matthew or it's somewhere in there <laughs> personal relationship with Jesus is not acceptable didn't they come out against that at BYU like 30 yeah, years ago <laughs> 
Wasn't that specifically <laughs> condemned? Yeah, that was that was Bruce Hart, but that. Speculation from the Lawrence Anointed at the Lawrence University. Ed Decker was making fun of the burning in the bosom thing and saying and telling the the people to watch out because the missionaries will say read the Book of Mormon and then they'll ask you um, to pray about it and 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 look for this burning in your bosom. But then later they were talking about receiving Jesus in their heart, and I wonder what the difference in the feeling is. Yeah, I wonder how an evangelical is going to convince. A, a non-Christian or a Mormon that, how of that, how are you supposed to get your your belief and your testimony of Jesus if not through, you know, your feelings, your, in, your inner emotions? Uh, speaking as someone who studied my way out of Mormonism, it was very frustrating for me to try to find a middle ground. You, you have the, the Christian believers who, uh, like you say, they rely on this old book and everything must be, you know, stalwart and the same. And then you have Mormonism, which relies on continued revelation, and you can't nail any type of doctrine to the wall because it's constantly shifting. It was a personal frustration of mine that you, you, you don't know what you're dealing with when you're trying to deal, talk about doctrine of the church. I mean, to, and to speak of the, the evangelical kind of authoritarian language that they used, I, I guess, uh, they said that missionaries were coached to use words like God and Jesus, because Mormons don't use those terms ever. He was just saying that, that these terms mean slightly different things to Mormons, but they'll use them on you because... Because you have it, because they're in your vocabulary and they want you to feel comfortable, but you will think of different things than they are thinking of when they use those terms. I think that's probably true. Actually, it is. Uh, I've actually come across a, public, a published Mormon to Christian do dictionary that actually goes through and details the differences that of the same terminology. I, I was quite surprised until I found out the Christians, do, the evangelicals, do the same thing with others. Um, but yes, there definitely is when they say we, they talk about grace or salvation or a lot of these other things. I, it was, it was one of the biggest things, one, uh, learning curves when investigating these, the evangelicals was trying to figure out what they meant when they said that they believed in Jesus. I, I went to a Jehovah's Witness uh, recovery site because um, I had some questions, and it was really interesting going through their threads. They have their own language as well and their own shorthand, and, and there's all sorts of implied meanings and familiar words that went right over my head. It's fascinating. All right, so to sort of to, to, to wrap it up, I guess, um, you know, we've, we've sort of hit on the whole we're, this this has become kind of an anti-evangelical podcast, I, <laughs> I think. But um, I mean that that's that's what the the uh, the, the the film is. I it, my 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 opinion is they have some little technicalities wrong. Nothing huge. They like to exaggerate, you know, space station collab and 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 that sort of stuff. But really, it's just sort of vanilla mild fare the 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 rumors and stories about how terrible this film is what an impact it's had on mormonism for the negative and for the positive i would believe would be all be greatly exaggerated and there's really nothing in there you're not going to see like on the boards every day you know yeah. there's one thing I've, I've been thinking about and when when i was a believing member and i came across uh you know like south park or a cartoon or something that had what I believed was a misstatement about a name or a place or an occurrence, uh, 
I always said, oh, they got that fact wrong. But I never bothered to look it up and, and like do my own research into it. And I wish I had taken the time to, to identify those things that I disagreed with and then give it a more honest pursuit, like just my own research, because uh, I would have figured, figured my own answers out a lot sooner. <laughs> yeah, think about it. Sandra Tanner actually had all those things right without Google, dude. That's, to me, to me, I, I actually ended that with a lot more respect for her. I mean, I mean, she had all those documents in front of her, and she, she obviously had done her homework backwards and forwards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sandra Tan, the you know, at some point, um, and Sandra, you're still supposed to come on, but at some point, um, you know, we need to go through because that, that's. Tr I think the Tanners have been shown time and time again to be right. There's definitely times they've been prone to a little bit of exaggeration. But the classic example is the Hoffman stuff. Salamander letter, they said, no, that's a fraud. And everybody else jumped on the bandwagon, but they were able to, to, to ferret that out before anybody else did. So, and, and I think you're right. She was, she was right on. And I don't know all the details, but apparently sometime after this, um, Ed Decker's ministries and Lighthouse Ministries had a falling out, and it was due to sort of factual in inaccuracies. So I think the Tanners have stuck to their guns, and this this she she really looks good in it. <laughs> yeah, she does look good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the only thing that I would I would say is that she she obviously has her agenda, just like you have your agenda, John. <laughs> I, I just want to kind of comment about the, the what this movie meant to me when I was on my mission. What and I hadn't even seen it. it, it that's the the big thing for me is it, if I would have seen it, I wouldn't have the archetypal image of a you know a, a former Mormon you know being this you know evil near do well who you know is out to destroy me and my family you know even in the campy kind of you know exaggerated fashion I, I think still you know this movie and you know a lot of evangelical uh press did a disservice you know to me when i was you know before i left the church in giving me something to despise you know and something to latch on to to fight the good fight you know as a you know per se yeah, the, I had a similar experience. Like my I, my idea of the threat that this movie would was to my testimony uh, would isn't, doesn't really compare to what I would see as a believing member. It's just not that threatening. Yeah, I mean, religion needs the devil. The Mormon Church needed Ed Decker as an archetype, and it almost doesn't matter what's in this film. To, to most Mormons, you know, it's telling that before Zilf and I saw it a couple months ago and everybody in this room, none of us had seen it, you know, but we'd all heard about it and talked about it and da, 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 da. And, and that's just what it plays out. I wonder when, um, when Ed's gone, who's going to be next? Uh, <laughs> John Larson. <laughs> John Larson. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, any other last thoughts about the, the God makers? Did anybody else get a little twinge in their heart when they saw the fa old facade of the ZCMI Center? Uh, yeah, and, and I, they had they had broadcast house in there, which uh, was torn down. Just, uh, so much memories, and it's gone. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, the discussion continues on the website at mormonexpression.com. Um, you can uh, call that number that's there that I've forgotten. <laughs> it's been... Uh, check out all the other stuff going on, the uh, the, uh, the blogs and the, the mailing lists. And, oh, we got some other great things coming up for you at the beginning of the year, so pay attention. And, uh, and we'll see you next time.